Hey everyone, and welcome to the weekly sermon podcast for the Wilmington Church of Christ. I hope this will inspire you and help you grow in your faith as we see God move through His Word. Please stay tuned after to hear more about how you can help partner with us. Enjoy the message. Last week I gave the challenge to pray Psalm 23 every day before you got out of bed. Uh, you'd pray that prayer. And then every night before you went to bed, you'd pray that prayer. I had a church member uh, come up to me right before church and said, uh, Dale, i got to tell you, I'd wake up, and when I woke up, I would start praying this prayer, even in the middle of the night. And he said, I haven't done that in years, but I used to pray this prayer a lot, but now I've been doing it this week. Uh, one of my prayer partners this morning said, um, I've been praying that prayer every day before I got up, and man, is it really helping me. It's keeping me from killing people. <laughs> now... This person was just kidding, but it does change our life. It does change our perspective to go to God in prayer and do it often. Uh, Psalm 23, great prayer um, to change our life and to get um, our perspective changed. And uh, today I want to look at Psalm 23, verse 3 and 4, and how it changes our perspective on the shepherd a little bit. Um, Psalm 23 has six verses. It's a great prayer of the scripture. I know uh, that people of God have been praying this prayer for over 3,000 years because it was written 3,000 years ago by King David, inspired by the Holy Spirit. And the more I read it, the more I think it's King David as an older man, a king who's writing this prayer of the shepherd looking back over his life, not while he's a shepherd. I I don't have any evidence for that. I just keep thinking that. Um, But let's pray the prayer together before we look at verses 3 and 4. I have the words on the screen. We're going to say them out loud, and if you would, make it your prayer to seek God, to seek the shepherd, to seek what he is going to give you through this prayer um, as we pray it together. Let's pray. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We can all say together the amen part. Everybody says amen. Amen. Let it be. Let this prayer be part of our life, part of our soul, part of our attitude adjustment. I think today as we're praying this prayer and we're looking specifically at verses 3 and 4, we will see two ways the shepherd provides for us. Two ways, two more reasons why we can trust the good shepherd is in verse 3 and 4. It, uh, those verses go, he refreshes my soul, he uh, leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Now I want to look at uh, refreshes, that word there, um, for an understanding. You know, psalms, psalms are often uh, parallel thought poetry. So poetry in English, it has to do with the rhythm and verse and rhyme. But Hebrew poetry is based on thoughts and repetitive thoughts, parallel thoughts. So a Hebrew poem, and most of the Psalms, you'll find this. 
One line will be introduce a thought, and the second line will be a parallel thought. It would be a very similar thought to the first. And so um, when you read Hebrew poetry, you read the Psalms, look for repeated thoughts as the, as the verses. Another way they do parallel thought in Hebrew poetry is to do the opposite of the thought. So a lot of the Proverbs are written in Hebrew poetry, and it'll give one thought, and then it'll give the opposite of that thought. That's still parallelism poetry. And then one way, especially in Psalm 23, and this is what we find in Psalm 23, um, they explain the thought. So you get one thought, and then it explains that thought in one or two verses. It happens in verse 1 and 2. The Lord is my shepherd. Well, how is he my shepherd? Well, he leads me and lays me down in green pastures, and he leads me beside quiet waters. Those are parallel thoughts. It's explaining how God is our shepherd. Verse 3 is kind of weird. It doesn't, it doesn't really fit when we interpret it. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths. Unless you're thinking, oh, he's going to refresh, how's he going to refresh my soul? Well, he's going to guide me along the right paths. It actually works better if we, if we just change the English translation to fit more with what the Hebrew is saying. That word, refresh, is a Hebrew word, shuv. I know, right? Now it all makes sense. Um, everywhere else in the Old Testament, 90% of the time, when that word shuv is mentioned, it's a word for repentance. It's a word for turn back. It's a word to, for bring back. In fact, Job 33.30 has the exact same phrasing as Psalm 23 three and it says he brings me back he brings my soul back from the pit that's what job thirty three thirty says exact same phrasing shuv and soul i think and the um aramaic bible in plain english the middle eastern bible that interprets this verse it uses the phrase he brings me back shuv repentance Turn around is this Hebrew word for I'm going one way and then I'm going to turn around and go the other way. In the New Testament, it's a military word, repentance, and it means military word. We're marching one direction, we repent, we turn around, and we march the opposite direction. Are we getting this? We get in this feeling, we understand what this is meaning. Turn around. That's the word that is used in verse 3. And in parallel thought, if we say he brings me back, and then it's explaining that verse previous, what's he bringing me back to? Well, he's going to put me on the right path. That's what he's going to bring me back to. If we could just use the translation in our head when we say it out loud, because you probably, if you have it memorized, or you've grown up in church, you have it memorized, he restores my soul, he refreshes my soul. You may not be able to get the memorization to change, but if you could start thinking, he is going to bring me back He's going to turn me around. This is going to start changing my life. In 2010, um, Sandra Bullock won Best Actress Award for the movie and her portrayal of Leanne Tui in the movie Blindside. In the movie Blindside, it tells, uh, about, based on the true story, where Louis, Leanne Tui and Sean Tui, her husband, were driving along in their city. It was a cold November day, and they saw Michael Orr, one of the students in the high school, walking in shorts and a t-shirt along the side of the road. And they drove past him, and it occurred to her, this boy has no home, and he's out in the cold. And she said to her husband, turn around. And they stopped the car turned around and picked him up and made him part of their family, eventually adopting him into their family, saving his life. Then he went on to play in the NFL as a great offensive lineman, Michael Orr. 
a true story. It's a great movie. But that phrase, turn around, has the power to save lives. When we pray, Psalm 23, verse 3, he brings me back, he turns me around, we're praying this prayer of rescue me from a path that leads nowhere. Rescue me, turn me around from a path that leads to death. This is what repentance is, turning around. I'm going down one path, and God, the good shepherd, he comes and he finds me. He picks me up. If he needs to, he puts me on his shoulders. We've seen that picture. He takes me back. He takes me off the shoulders, and he sets me on a path that is going to lead to life. This is the parallel thought found here. It is repentance. Did I tell you about the cat my wife adopted several months ago? This cat is now living in the house. <laughs> the cat hasn't been fixed yet, and he likes to go down the hallway and spray my bedroom door. This is terrible. This is a cat. We'll watch him, and if he thinks we're not looking, he'll start down the hallway, and Carrie or the kids or I'll go, no, 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 and he'll, he'll know we're watching. He'll turn around and come back out. But if we're not watching, as soon as we're not watching, down the hallway, doesn't he know this is a path that will lead to death? <laughs> so we have this spray bottle. We have this spray bottle. And boy, I, I, this is one of my favorite parts of the day, to catch the cat in the hallway and to just drench him the whole way back. Now, you, th you would think, this cat's pretty smart. Cat's actually a good cat as far as cats go. You would think he would learn, but he doesn't. As soon as we turn our back, back down the hallway. Which brings me lots of joy to spray that cat with water the whole way out. Now, listen, listen. The cat is experiencing what we would call, what the Bible calls, worldly sorrow that leads to death. Let me explain. Let me explain. Let me explain. There are two ways to repent. There are two ways to turn around. One is, I get caught in sin. And it's embarrassing and uncomfortable. And I'm upset that I got caught. And so that type of sorrow in my sin, Paul says, the scripture says, the Holy Spirit says, will lead to death. The cat, as an example, is down the hallway, he gets drenched. He's not mad or upset that he's down the hallway. He's mad and upset because he got drenched with water. In our sin, if we are caught, and we are just upset and sorry that we got caught, or we're just upset and sorry that we're embarrassed, or we're just upset and sorry that we're now uncomfortable, this is not turning to a new lifestyle. This is not repentance. This is a sorrow that will lead to death. What has to happen when we turn, when God brings us back from a path that leads nowhere, a path that leads to death, we have to have a change of mind and a change of behavior. And the change of mind works like this. We are sorry that we offended God. That's true repentance that leads to life. And we don't hate that we got caught. We might hate that we got caught, 
but we hate the sin that we got caught in, and we don't want to do that sin anymore. We don't want to be there anymore because we want to have what God offers more than what the sin is going to offer. Repentance is a change of mind. If the cat were to have uh, be converted and become a Christ follower and actually be saved, which he's not, you know what happens to unsaved people, right? Same thing that happens to unsaved cats. They go to hell. That's where cats go. If this cat were to have a change of heart and be saved, he would be sorry he offended the owner and would not want to go down the hallway anymore and would want to experience the blessings of the living room in sin. There is pleasure in sin. It is not long-lasting. It will not satisfy you, and it will kill you. But initially, we think it feels good. True repentance, God bringing us out of that path, means that we begin to hate the sin and hate that little pleasure that it gives us and hate that we've offended God and hate that we are breaking a relationship with Him and hate that we are destroying a relationship with others and hate that we are sending our soul to hell. This is the change of heart that has to happen with true repentance and God is the gift giver of repentance. He brings us back. He's the one that will rescue us. He's the one that will offer us the opportunity to repent. He's the one that says the Two words that can change your life. Turn around. And then the parallel thought. Verse 4. Verse 3. At the end of verse 3, what does he do? He picks us up as the good shepherd. He turns us around and he sets our feet on a path that is the right path. A path that will lead to life. A path of righteousness. And he gets the glory for it. He's the one that will provide the heart change. He's the one that can provide the conviction of the Holy Spirit. He's the one that will give you the gift of, the, of repentance. Here's how you repent. You pray to God, give me this gift of repentance. Allow me to understand and see how I'm offending you. Allow me to see the short-term pleasure that's going to lead to death is not a sin I want to continue down and not a sin I want to continue in, but I want what you offer me, God. Ask him to open your eyes to the glory and pleasure and joy only being in Christ brings. Ask him to open your eyes to see that he loves you so much that he sent Jesus Christ to be with you. He loves you so much that he has united you with his family. He loves you so much he gives you every spiritual blessing in Christ. He loves you so much that he will change you from the inside to be a different person spiritually than you were before and enjoy that more than you enjoy the sin. This is true repentance. And as we pray Psalm 23... We get to verse 3, he brings me back. He guides me now in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He gets the glory as he sets us on a path to enjoy Jesus and enjoy him above all other things. This is one of the beautiful ways that Jesus, God, is our shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He feeds me all I need green grass. I get to lie down because I'm so full. He leads me beside quiet waters. 
you know what? When I go down a path I shouldn't be on, he rescues me and brings me back. This is God's promise to us. He says through the prophet Ezekiel, in Ezekiel chapter 34, For this is what the sovereign Lord says, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they are scattered on the day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the the countries. I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines, and in all the settlements in the land. I will tend them in a good pasture, and the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There they will lie down in good grazing land, and there they will feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. But the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. He brings me back. He guides me in paths of righteousness. But he is a just God. He's a God of mercy and a God of grace. Grace upon grace upon grace, but he is also a just God, and he will punish every sin how it deserves to be punished. If you are in Christ, he has punished the sin that you deserve by killing Jesus Christ and making him sin in our place. He has kept his promise to punish every sin. If you are not in Christ, he will give you exactly what you deserve. He is a just God. Take Christ turn around repent when the when the israelites were talking with peter and they finally came to believe that they had killed the son of god jesus and that he had risen again they were scared and they said to peter what do we need to do and peter replied repent turn around and be baptized every single one of you for the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the holy spirit turn around it also changes our behavior when we repent we change our mind and we change our behavior when peter says repent and be baptized there's a behavior associated with turning around going down one path that leads to death turning around and going down a path that leads to life there's going to be a behavior change and you're going to obey what god says part of it is you want now to please god with your behavior But part of it is you've been changed inside. You want to please God with your behavior. Turn around. Repent. Obey. I love that the shepherd helps us to do this. He is the good shepherd. He helps us by bringing us back, finding us when we are straying, setting our feet on the right path. Now, if he is setting our feet on the right path, It is a valid question to ask. If he has brought me back, he set me there, why do I still experience trouble? This is the prayer of Psalm 23. I'm walking, I've been changed, this path that I'm now on is the path of the valley of the shadow of death. That's another Hebrew word, Psalm Albet. It's the root word for death, and it means dark places and dark shadows and dark days and trouble. And Jesus tells us, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. If God has set me on the path, and it's dark and scary, 
but he's the one that set me there, then I can trust him. This is the exact path I need to be on. Two ways to think about this. One is, since he is the good shepherd and he's given me all I need, especially all I need to become more and more like his son Jesus Christ, we know that trials and persecution and hardship actually strengthen our resolve and build our character. One way we can think about this is the Lord is my shepherd. He's put me on this path. It's dark and trouble and scary. He must be trying to build my character. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. God has put me on this path. Here's the second part. He stays with me. The picture of the shepherd is him with me with his rod and staff. It's the same stick that is both rod and staff. It's that big hook stick that he carries with him. It can fend off the uh, the wolves. It can fend off the lions. It can protect me. He can strengthen me and allow me to lean on him. When he sets us on a path that is troublesome, he says, trust me, I will give you strength to endure. There is a way around this, of course. Since we're experiencing the trouble and it's based on other people's sin, we could ask God to wipe out all sinners. But God is a patient God and he is not prepared yet is not the right time where he wipes out all sinners. He is patient. He wants them to come to know the Lord. And so he's patient with the people around us who are sinning. And he gives us strength to endure the trouble that that brings. Sometimes the world, since it's just broken, gives you trouble. But if you are on the path where you are following Christ, it is the right path. And he will call you to endurance. And then he'll stay with you to give you the strength to endure. But sometimes... The dark path is of our own making. When we sin, God is a good father as well as a good shepherd. And he will discipline us to bring us back to him. And sometimes the dark path is of our own making, the consequence of our actions. And he's trying to get our attention to turn from one path that leads to death and to go to a path that leads to light. And he'll allow us to be on that path that he established for us so that we would turn back to him. We get so uncomfortable that we turn to him. Anybody ever hear? They have to hit rock bottom before they're going to change. God sometimes provides the path that is rock bottom. And it's the right path. And he says, I'll stay with you and I'll give you the strength to repent. I'll give you the strength to turn. And when you turn around, you'll be on the path I provide for you, and I will stay with you. Timothy Keller, when um, he wrote his book on prayer, I wonder if he had this prayer in mind. Psalm 23, verses 3 and 4, when he says this, In prayer, we may see that we are more loved and cared for than what we had felt. And this diminishes our fears. I will fear no evil. Or we may see that we are more foolish and self-absorbed than we thought, and prayer gets rid of our anger and self-pity. Either way, we have no fear because He is with us. His rod and His staff protect us. One of our, one of the, uh, one of our couples that attends this church are experiencing the valley of the shadow of death right now, and they have been for about a year. Mark and Debbie Hess um, are going through a troubled time. 
And Debbie wrote me a letter. And this is her valley of the shadow of death. And man, it just it fits today. And I've uh, spoken with them, and they are trusting God to bring about the right path for them. But here's the letter Debbie wrote to me, and she said I could share. I'm sending this to share a very difficult situation that my husband, Mark, and I are facing. Last spring, Mark was diagnosed with stage 4 chronic kidney disease due to high blood pressure. Our kidney specialist has recommended a kidney transplant as the greatest chance to extend Mark's life. The best option for Mark is to have a living donor preemptive transplant, a transplant before dialysis. This is the first choice since the patient and kidney survival rates are better. The healthier Mark is, the better he will do after transplant. And anyone, this is the ask. You, you know, when we go to God and the Good Shepherd and we say, hey, would you provide for our needs Sometimes that need is provided through the church. Sometimes that need is provided through a stranger. Sometimes that need is provided just as God is leading people down their path. That is the right path for them. Sometimes he provides what they're asking. Anyone can be a potential kidney donor for Mark. It does not have to be a relative. We were amazed to find the first successful kidney transplant was done 66 years ago. Today, donors have the availability of minimal invasive surgery. Generally, living donors are in the hospital for one to two days and can return to work about four to six weeks after surgery, and Mark's insurance covers all the medical costs related to the donation. When people are looking for a transplant, the key to them receiving a transplant is to get the word out to as many people as possible, their families, their friends, and then they ask their family and friends to share that because there is time and time again where somebody shows up out of the blue. It's the strangest thing. It was like God was leading to this moment, and they said, I'll donate a kidney. That's what somebody will do. But I don't know who it is, and they don't either. So spread the word as much as you can. We have a person, a Christ follower in need of a kidney transplant. The letter continues. The first step in being considered as a potential donor is to contact the nurse donor transplant coordinator. I have that number if you're interested. It's in Christ Hospital in Cincinnati. She will answer questions and send out a questionnaire. If you decide to move forward, you'll have tests done to see if you match. I like how she puts this in here. Um, there is no medical benefit for donating a kidney. <laughs> for, the, for the donor. <laughs> I think that's funny. But most donors do report emotional benefits. And Debbie says, I would encourage you to check out www.teamshareaspare.org for stories of people who have donated some of their body parts so that others may have life go on. Wouldn't it be something that someone would lay down their life to save another person? Where have I heard that before? Debbie asks, we are asking people to prayerfully consider if they would like to be considered as a potential donor if you cannot donate, we would appreciate your help in spreading Mark's story. And she gives her number if you'd like to contact her with a different, uh, additional questions or if you just want to tell her you're praying for her. I got to give out the number to Debbie and Mark's house today to somebody, a church member, who said, I want to pray and call and let them know I'm praying for you. I said, yeah, Debbie would like that. Mark would like that. 
Isn't this the valley of the shadow of death? Isn't this what David would look back over his life and say, you know, I remember when I was in danger. I remember when I was being chased. I remember when I was in threat of death. I remember when I was in the enemy camp. I remember when I was in battle. And those are the valley of the shadow of death, the time where I might physically really die, and God is with me. So I will fear no evil. Mark and Debbie, I'm sure, have lots of concerns and lots of fears. But the fear of death is not one of them. And the fear of evil is not one of them because they know God is with them. Shouldn't this be our prayer? Shouldn't we pray this prayer every day before we get out of bed? Before we go to sleep? This is a call to prayer for the whole year Lord, you are my shepherd. I will trust you to provide what I need for today. Lord, you are my shepherd. You bring me out of paths that lead to death, and you set me on paths that lead to life. You are my shepherd. Therefore, whatever path I'm on, whatever trouble it brings, I trust that you're with me, and you're going to give me endurance to make it through, or you're going to give me the strength to repent to get my feet settled on the right path for your glory and your namesake. I challenge you, one more week, pray this prayer every day before you get out of bed. Wouldn't it be incredible if we started praying this prayer and we started seeing God provide and we were able to share that with each other. I was praying the prayer and he provided for me exactly what I needed that day. I was praying the prayer and you know what? He revealed to me that I was on a path that was going to destroy a relationship, and I turned around. All by his power and all by his strength. Wouldn't it be incredible if we did that? And then as a church, we started teaching other people, here's how you have a change of heart. You focus on Christ, and you get to know him, and he'll give you a path that is good for your feet. Wouldn't that be incredible if our church became a praying church? Not just a church that prays but a praying church. I'm going to pray for us. And at the conclusion of our prayer, we're going to do an invitation. And the invitation is this. Would you come forward if you need prayer? Would you come forward if you need to pray a prayer of repentance? There's enough people in here I know that some of us are living a lifestyle that is not the way God wants us to live and He wants to bring us back to Him. Would you come forward, not to recommit, but to repent and follow Jesus? Maybe um, you need prayer because you've never committed your life to Christ. When God calls you, turn around, commit your life to Christ. You'll come forward for prayer and we'll allow you and we'll help you get baptized into Jesus, lowered down into his death and raised by faith to as a new creation, a new life. Would you come forward if God is calling you? Maybe you just have family members or friends that need prayer. You know they're going through the valley of the shadow of death and you want God's grace to shine on them. You want his face to shine on them where the whole valley is lit up so that they can trust him that he is with them. If God is calling you to make a decision or you need prayer today, would you come forward and pray with some of our prayer warriors or pray with me? Lord, uh, you are our shepherd. You are our father. And we ask that you would bring us back from paths that lead to death. We ask that you would set our feet on a path that is right for your glory and your kingdom and our life to be transformed. 
Lord, we ask that you would open our eyes to reveal your presence, that you are with us. Give us your staff, Lord, so that we can lean on you for support and strength to endure. Use your rod, Lord, to get our attackers away. Lead us not to temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. Put us on the path that brings you the most glory. Lord, we trust you. Help us to trust you even more. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If this ministry has impacted you, I ask that you would pray and consider partnering with us financially so that we could continue to minister here in our community and beyond. Visit us online at wcconline.org backslash donate to find out how you can be a part of what God is doing here. Thank you again for joining us, and I hope to see you back here next time.